0: How about Bruce Bannon? There Bruce go.
1: Bannon!
0: <gasps> oh, no! No! <laughs> Steve's hidden twin brother. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Who secretly works for the
0: news.
2: <laughs> he secretly works for the news. Yeah, he
1: covers up
0: the Hulk story. <laughs>
2: Breitbart <laughs> is secretly a front for the Hulk. <laughs> is that the lesson here?
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Theo Table, where angels dancing on the head of a pin can change your life. I'm Aidan, also known as Celtic Catholic Fire. I'm Julie. And I'm Jarek.
1: In light of recent events, our topic today is immigration. This is usually a political issue, but given how frequently scripture verses have been used, and misused, in the news lately, that makes it a theological issue, which means we get to play with it now.
0: So, probably the most notable use of scripture regarding this issue, particularly in the past week, has been Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who cited Romans 13 uh, last Thursday, was it this Thursday? I don't remember. It was last That's Thursday. Thursday. Um, Romans 13 talks about obedience to government, and he used, uh, citing Romans 13, particularly verse 1, as a defense for what his administration was doing. If you violate the law, you subject yourself to prosecution. Now I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans uh, 13 to obey the laws of the government... God has ordained the government for his purposes. Orderly and lawful processes are good in themselves. And if we can just like read that out, just to give
2: some context, I believe that is, as I open my Bible, um, Romans 13... Verse 1. Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God,
0: and those that exist have been instituted by God. So, this verse, as people have pointed out, has also been used to justify, well, has been used to say, the American Revolution is against God, has been used to say um, the Civil War was against God, and the you know anti-slavery movement was against God. Uh, it was also used by apparently the Nazis, although I haven't actually seen that Usage of it, um, but yeah, it's a problematic verse with a problematic history. Yeah, when you're citing a verse in a way that essentially makes the argument
2: that anything the government does is just, and therefore you must always obey the government, because that's essentially what
0: Jeff Sessions was trying to get across with this quote.
2: That's never yeah, nev- really
0: a never mind the fact that we worship a-, a god who was executed by the state as a criminal. Uh, did he? I don't know if he missed that part of the scriptures, but yeah, and know. then all of the like. Most of the initial popes
2: and almost all of the apostles, uh, except for St. John, and a lot of the early Christians were also
0: executed by the state for being Christian. Um, Never mind the fact that there's a venerable theological tradition, I think beginning with Augustine, but also running through people like Aquinas, and then all the way through MLK, about an unjust law being no law at all, etc. There's a lot of problems with the way Jeff Sessions is using Romans 13.
2: But, to be fair... He's not the only one sort of abusing scripture and proof texting, which is just cherry picking verses that seem to make your point for you, even when they don't. Um, MSNBC, very recently, there was an anchor, um, Velshi, yes, Ali Velshi, who was talking about this Jeff Sessions quote and essentially decided to try and use the Bible against Jeff Sessions' use of the Bible. (laughs) And what he decided to do was, quote, Matthew 19. Uh, Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven.
0: Let me stop and say, uh, some of you don't know, know this perhaps about me, but I have a bachelor's degree in religion, not in business. This is important to say because we're about to go to church. Sticking with the spirit of what would Jesus do, we actually did dig through the Bible to find passages that lent themselves to the current border practice of separating migrant children from their parents. And I want to begin with Matthew uh, chapter 19, verse 14. But Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the context of that, that, yeah. The context of that is something really, really different than what Velshi is actually using it to say. The point is the people to be to enter into heaven you must be like a little child therefore the little children come unto me like that's not a point about allowing children through the border or particularly like treating t- it's not even about treating children with particular kindness it's about if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven be like one of these children right and that's it, the context the implication is not good the implication is that coming to america is the same
2: thing as coming to Jesus or the same thing as going to heaven which is just
1: <laughs> not
2: <laughs> Americanism is a heresy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> America is not the savior. America will not make the world perfect. Jesus, that that's Jesus' role, not America's. And Jesus will not do it through America, either. In case you're At wondering. least not particularly. America is not the new Israel. We don't get a, like, unique role in God's plan of salvation in that way. There have been good people and saints that have come from America, just not the way people think of some <laughs>
1: Okay, so I think we've established that a proof-texting war in the news is not ideal. Um, however, are there something to be said for the fact that at least they are bringing up the Bible in the news? I think I prefer a day with the Bible in the news than a day with the Bible not in the news. Um, uh, what's that um... thing? I mean, they can misuse... Uh, I, I think even taking the fact that people will misuse all these verses aside, um, it's like that football player, um, whose name I should really remember somewhat, uh, Tim Tebow. And I don't know the whole backstory, um, but he, at some point in time, he had, I think it was John 3.16, um, painted on his face or something. And the next day, it was like the most Googled thing on the planet. I'm hyperbolizing, but it was was (laughs) record-breaking amounts of Googling. What is John 3.16? Because... There's this guy all over the news with a paint on his
2: face. Yes, yes, actually. I and I, People who've seen my channel know this already, so I'm okay talking about it, but I'm actually from Denver. I'm from Colorado, and so I was there when Tim Tebow was blowing up, and Tebow mania was a huge thing. Um, and yeah, I think what ha- ended up happening was that in one of his games, he had John 316 painted on his face, and he very famously, after touchdowns, would do this thing called Tebowing, where he would just sort of kneel on one knee and put his fist on his face like this and like but, but, so, the point is he was very open about his faith and very open about prayer, and then, at one of these games his like one of his stats, I think it was like passing yards was three hundred and sixteen, and so because of that, everyone just sort of went crazy and started and honestly, it was a lot of like spiking searching for this bible verse because someone was a public witness. Is the news a public witness in that same
1: way i
0: don't necessarily I hope think to so. God not no offense to news media at the moment but like i really hope not
1: (laughs) yeah um like the the two cases are different but i'm still i i think a lot of people wouldn't think of immigration as a matter i would i don't i think it's very easy to cast it as purely a political debate um and that's the way most people think um and when you throw in scripture there i think it just reminds some people who might not otherwise think of it that hey there's maybe a moral implication here people who might never open a Bible, except months every 10 years otherwise.
2: Hmm. Fair. And speaking of that, there actually have been quite a few statements, most recently from Catholics and Catholic leadership on the subject of immigration. Uh, and we'll get to some of the particulars in a minute, but if just sort of establish what the Church says, even, even just particularly the Church in America, the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, actually goes through what the church's position on immigration policy more generally is. And there's a couple of big points to balance. I wonder if
0: we can go through some of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the USCCB, again, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, has this document that they released, um, not necessarily in response to this, but just in general, called Catholic Social Teaching on Immigration and the Movement of Peoples, where they lay out three principles for Im- for the Catholic position on immigration, and immigration policy in particular. And the first of these principles is that people have the right to migrate, to sustain their lives and the lives of their families. Um, and, you know, this just makes sense as regards economic need, as regards there are situations of oppression and situations of difficulty in other countries, which sometimes make it impossible to live in that country. Um, and in addition to that, sort of implicit within that, there's a call for other countries to accept immigrants and foreigners in a particular way. Um, And this is also, this does go back to scripture. Not to get into the whole proof texting war, but taken in context, this verse is very clear. Um, This is in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 34, where the scripture says, "...the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in the land of Egypt." And so Christians throughout history, Catholics in particular, have taken this as a special call to welcome the stranger, the immigrant, the, you know, insert, foreign, on-the-border group here. Right, right.
2: I don't think anyone is questioning that core principle, that we should be exhibiting the radical love of Christ to our neighbor, especially in terms of those coming to our country seeking... The prosperity that we have, and we should make it accessible to those who are seeking it. Um, but the USCCB does recognize this as well that there's another principle you have to balance here, and that is that there is a right of a country to have borders and to regulate its borders, for the same way that, that there is a right for a family to have a home and to regulate the boundaries of that home. Um, that order to create a stable social fabric, in order to keep its citizens safe, and to help bring people into the country in a way that lets them fully participate in the life of that country, essentially enculturation, that a country has a right to govern its borders and to control the flow of immigration through them.
0: And that is like the second principle stated in the document. Yes, yes, to clarify.
2: And the question is, how do we balance those? So it, it ends up being something of a prudential judgment, the, the third principle being that you have to balance these two com, sort of competing ideas, that you you have to sort of find a way between them that has the fullness of justice and the fullness of mercy to the extent that you can.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think once you get into that balance of justice and mercy, that kind of puts a cap um, on the, in the poor choice of words there. That kind of puts uh, an end to the immigration issue as far as we might want to discuss it. Because specifically what we were trying to talk about was family separation. Um, and you have that underlying cold chaos of the immigration situation. Like that's been that way for decades. But in this podcast, we wanted to get to the issue of family separation. And I think there there's another Catholic s- teaching of Catholic social thought that kicks in. And that is the primacy of the unit of the family over a unit such as the nation. Um, now, there are legitimate grounds to separate families. Um, I think one of them has actually come up a lot in this debate on the news, which is uh, when a parent is incarcerated um, because the parent has committed a misdemeanor crime when they cross the border and there's a court ruling, one of you might know the details about it, um, that you can't imprison uh, children with their parents. And that is having um, interesting consequences here. But I think given how long the, given the scale of the issue of immigration policy, um, separating families might not be, the. Mo- I don't think it can be called the most merciful um, effect, the most merciful course of justice in the situation, mm-hmm. granted the scope of the problem. Like, are these the people you're going to single out, in a sense, to separate
0: and even and, and even independent of that, like, even if this were the most—even if the policy of separating children from their parents, in some hypothetical world, were the most merciful way to be just, were the most merciful execution of justice, like, I mean, there are reports of children being— Housed in just abysmal circumstances, and I'm pretty sure that definitely would not be sure. the most merciful way to be just, or the most just way of being merciful. However, you spin the issue. Yes, yes, I, I do.
2: I do. I have seen some variants on that. That some conditions of these centers are very poor. Some of them are very good, and they should be uniformly good. But mm-hmm. I think more to Julie's point, that there is a need to not necessarily incarcerate but to keep the people who cross the border illegally in some sense under government supervision because a lot of them make asylum claims. And so you have to actually judge that asylum claim and you need time to judge it justly. So and in, in, so it, currently the policy has been essentially to detain immigrants and a lot of them make asylum claims at that point. And that becomes a um, process we have to work out. But there have been a couple of recent suggestions actually to sort of resolve the family separation side of the issue because I agree that we're not keeping our priorities in order if we're breaking up the unit of the family to try and help regulate the borders better. So I've seen a couple of proposals about this, essentially that try and find some sort of solution where the government can essentially keep an eye on or keep track of these families, but keep them together. Uh, sometimes keep them detained together in a separate kind of facility that isn't really a, that isn't really incarceration. Um, mm mm-hmm. So we might be working towards something of a middle ground resolution on this. I think maybe a bigger question right now for us as Catholics has to do with the response from the Catholic leadership to this problem, that Mm. there has been a lot of involvement of religious leaders, um, mostly speaking out against the child separation policy, um, or or at least the the outcome of child separation, I should (laughs) clarify. It's not really a policy so much as, as Julie was saying, a consequence of other laws, but the USCCB and I think the pope as well have actually spoken to this issue and I wonder if we can discuss sort of their response to it.
0: Mhm. Yeah. There have been like I mean the response is, isn't uniform. I think what is uniform is their condemnation of the result what's happening. Uh, every bishop every catholic authority that i've seen has been totally against this um for reasons that we've stated about the primacy of the family over the state and things like that um and that's just not just the family as a political unit but just the family as a unit of like the home of the faith the first community into which we're brought as a person into the world the catholic church has always recognized the importance of family on every issue um Which is why I think Catholic leaders are so uniformly against this. Um, But their particular responses have varied. For example, there was a bishop in Texas who suggested Uh, that...
2: Arizona, I think, is what you're thinking of. Oh, was he in Arizona? Arizona. Yeah,
0: my apologies. Um, Who suggested that the USCCB should impose canonical penalties on ICE agents. Canonical penalties, I mean, that's a term that just means, like, some sort of punishment. From the church, this—I mean—the largest form of canonical penalty is excommunication. I don't think he's suggesting that we excommunicate ICE agents, because if he were saying that we should excommunicate ICE agents, that'd be going a little bit far in my Mm, mind. Um, But there's a precedent for canonical penalties as regards social issues on which the church holds a strong teaching. For example, on issues regarding life issues, particularly abortion, Um, there have been people who've called for. Catholic politicians who support abortion to be refused communion, things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And to be fair to that, Bishop, um, I think he did hedge his statement a lot. I think mm-hmm. Jared's yeah, characterization is right. He put it as, look at this is our response. On the issue of abortion, which is clearly a life issue, we- there are canonical penalties. And I think the words he used were dangerous or risky. I think he acknowledged the idea might be dangerous or risky, but I think that was, I interpreted that as more of a way to frame it as a life issue, which people might not think about otherwise. And that gets into the whole, what does it mean to be pro-life? Because it's a lot of people. um, Because it is not uncommon to see pro-life treated as only on the issue of abortion. Mm -hmm. And that was more a a tactic to widen the scope and remind Catholics, Mm -hmm. particularly that, hey, these, these people in need on the border are also something you need to be watching out for. Mm-hmm. You can question his, his <laughs> tactics on awful lot, though. Well, yeah, because
2: you're absolutely right that the, the issue of families being separated is a pro-life issue, because, as we're talking about, the family is the central unit of society, and it's the best place to encourage the right to life. Um,
0: Never mind the fact that there are actually people who are dying from this situation. Well,
2: the right, right, that, that as well. And that goes back to immigration as a general system we need to be working on fixing, both in terms of how we regulate the people who come into the country working to resolve situations in other countries uh, actually there's a we had a partnership with Mexico for a while actually which is why the immigration like that was less of a news item for a couple years and re- recently that's changed but that's sort of a little off topic right now um, but the, the point is there are things that we should be doing on a broader scale to try and address the situation um, but to go back to the pro-life issue the the reason there are canonical penalties for abortion and the re- for supporting abortion and the reason people talk about denying politicians communion is that there's a law on the books a canon law that is that supporting abortion is a uh, what's the Latin term Derek uh, I don't know which Latin term a a sent a, 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 a oh, Latin yeah, Latin excommunication yeah. so, so essentially without having to be told you're excommunicated you've excommunicated yourself from the church by supporting abortion um and people might take that really harshly. People sort of take that as a punishment for supporting something Catholics don't like. And that's not really what excommunications and canonical penalties are for. That it's the, the Church does these things to try and encourage repentance and to try and save a person's soul. Which leads to an obvious question. If we're considering canonical penalties as something that might be appropriate for ICE agents would it be fair to say that ice stations are putting their souls at risk? Because I, I don't necessarily see
0: that. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a complicated yeah. question. Um, and I think
1: that's where Aiden's point before about this, once you get between that first principle about the like right to migrate and the second principle from the document about um, countries' rights for borders and that being a prudential judgment, I think how are you putting your soul... I think it would be a lot more difficult Um, Not necessarily impossible, but a lot more difficult to actually put your soul at risk on an issue that requires political discernment than an issue like abortion, where, like, a life is a Mm. life, and the Church's stance is very, very, very clear.
0: (laughs) Although the Church, again, has been unequivocally clear about the separating families issue. And I think that, in particular, is with the canonical penalties. I don't think he'd be saying canonical penalties on all ICE agents for any activity whatsoever. I think he's saying, in particularly as regards this question, which has been uniformly condemned.
1: But even but even still, family separation has been an issue in the news for a couple, like, a week and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, abortion right. has been an issue in, like, even so, if the bishops are very clear on the family separation issue, the precedent of, like, just hasn't been considered as long. Yeah, yeah. If you're paying attention, you mm-hmm. know the bishops are uniformly opposed, but Like, the same standard of this is an absolute wrong has not existed in the same way it has for abortion just because there's been decades of discussion there.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also important to note that the the outcome of family separation has actually been occurring for multiple years and, honestly, multiple decades. Um, It's become more prevalent recently just because of how the recent administration has chosen to be more, uh, like, universal about prosecuting people who cross the border illegally yeah the zero tolerance policy mm-hmm. right and, yeah right but the, the the point is separating children from their parents is not a if you cross the border illegally we're taking your child away from you that's not the what the law is doing what the law is saying is if you're being tried for a crime then you can't then you can't have your children with you while you're being prosecuted or while you're incarcerated which is a just law in and of itself that's a just premise and so, and there was a court ruling.
0: There. And most people wouldn't deny that, even, even the people who are opponents of this particular issue of family separation wouldn't deny that being just right. general principle. Right.
2: But so my point with that is that it's just been a series of court rulings on essentially unrelated pieces that come together to have this inescapable conclusion of if you're prosecuting someone from crossing the border illegally, you're breaking up their family. that that is a conclusion of a series of laws that would otherwise in two of themselves appear to be just. Mm. So I don't know that we can say that someone who's even engaging in separating children from their parents who cross the border is putting their soul at risk, unless they're doing so with some kind of malice in their heart. It's not a thing in mm. of itself, I think, that could like, damn you. Oh, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be working to end it, of course, because as we've been talking about, the family is the bedrock unit of society, and it's worth preserving. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I think that's sort of a pretty good takeaway on this whole most recent controversy. There's a lot of gray area, it's something that you can have a diversity of opinions on as a Catholic, but ultimately, the family's really, really important,
0: and the government doesn't recognize that often enough, so let's take our wins in that regard and we can have them. Yeah, and there are like principles of Catholic social teaching, which can be applied in so many situations. Like, I, th- I think a lot of the time, people get worked up over trying to bring religion into politics, or politics into religion, um, and I think there's a way in which Catholic social teaching recognizes that you have to, because, I mean, politics is about action, and action is, you know... Action is something that's governed by religion, ethics, and like eth- and, you know, ethical claim. Religion makes ethical claims, yes. but at the same time, the church recognizes that it does not have a political position that you have to hold to on everything. Um, the church is very careful about not trying to impose one singular view on all of her members. Yes, good. That is a good takeaway.
1: Well said.
0: So I guess with that, um, we will close with the prayer for St. Thomas. As always, thank you for listening. Um, and let's begin our prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Grant us, O Lord, minds to know you, hearts to seek you, wisdom to find you, conduct pleasing to you, faithful perseverance in waiting for you, and a hope of finally embracing you. Amen. 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 Thank you